Hey everyone, it's Brian here with Our Weird World. You can probably tell by the sound of my voice, I'm not feeling so hot. Got a bit of a cold. I believe I got it from my daughter. She was feeling sick recently. It's not COVID. I know everybody asks when you get sick nowadays, like, oh, did you get COVID? Uh, it's not. Um, I think it's just a little head cold. She got over hers right away, and then the next day I get it. So, But anyways, today's Valentine's Day. Um, if you celebrate it, I hope you have a good day. You know, spread some joy and and love and and for the pe people around you that that you love right um but anyways last week's episode had some technical difficulties um but i was able to get it finished and recorded and edited so here it is i hope you all enjoy it uh, have a great valentine's day and uh, enjoy the episode thanks for listening hey everyone welcome back to the podcast i'm brian this is our weird world Hey, I hope that everybody's doing okay out there in the world. Hope that things are good. Um, so each morning I like to sit down and get online and check the news around the world and see what's going on, see if there's articles that relate to my podcast, if I, something that I could do a story on and whatnot um, as I start to do whatever research for whatever episode I'm doing. And like a lot of people earlier this week, I saw articles related to the earthquake that hit Turkey and Syria. Uh, it was a very large, powerful earthquake that caused a lot of destruction. And as of today, February 9th, uh, one of the articles I was looking at, I believe they said that there are about 15,000 deaths, which is just, I, it's so unfortunate. Um, if you live in that part of the world, I, and I, I just hope that you're okay. Um, it's really devastating what happened. It was a large 7.8 magnitude earthquake that struck the area. Um, and they're, they're still trying to account for people even now, even today, um, days later. If you are interested in wanting to help in some way, you know, if you're on the other side of the world and you just want to provide, you know, a donation to help somebody, help a family out, uh, International Rescue Committee, they have a website, uh, help.rescue.org. And they have a page on there where you can donate. Um, it's it's titled Devastating Earthquake Syria and Turkey. They have one-time donations. They have monthly donations. You can do a custom amount donation, whatever. Um, it helps with providing emergency kits for families, uh, shelter, anything like that. So if that's something that you can do, if you can provide in any way, I think that would be uh, a good thing to get behind, a, a good cause. Um, I'm sure there's other organizations out there that you can also also uh, get a part of and, and to help so but anyways I, I saw this I saw the news about it again it's extremely devastating what happened you know I, I I take stock in in feeling fortunate that I live in an area that doesn't have earthquakes like this um, I live in central New Mexico specifically in Rio Rancho which is near Albuquerque now there is a fault line actually underneath Albuquerque but it's we have earthquakes on the regular here every year, but they're so small that you ne don't notice them. Uh, it's you, you never, I've never felt one, experienced one here ever. I, when I lived in Southern California, I did experience some. When I lived in San Diego, nothing major like this, but I had felt some minor ones um, that were near that area down in, in Mexico and other areas close by. But, yeah, it's, it's truly devastating what happened there and i just i hope all the best but i was looking through the news again a couple days ago and articles kept popping up related to this and i saw one let me see let me go to it in my notes here i have it saved that was from an online online news company called the daily dot and the headline kind of struck me and i thought well, it'd be kind of interesting to talk about this a little bit not necessarily the earthquake but what i'm going to mention here so the, the headline of the article says, what is HARP, H-A-A-R-P, and why are conspiracy theorists blaming it for the massive earthquake in Turkey and Syria? Yes, yeah, so what is HARP, and why are conspiracy theorists blaming it on this earthquake? I agree. So 
I, I have a basic, vague understanding of harp. I've heard about it before. Um, I've seen articles about it. Um, but I've never truly really known exactly what it is. And what is it that conspiracy theorists believe about it? And, and why do they think that it caused this earthquake? So that's what I wanted to get into. But I want to look at this article first. So let's look at this article from Daily Dot. I'm, I'm not going to read everything. I'm going to kind of just skim through it and give you some of the highlights. Uh, the first sentence says, quote, Conspiracy theorists responded to the devastating earthquake that hit Turkey and Syria on Monday. This was uh, February 6th by claiming that the natural disaster was caused by the U.S. government. Well, that's a pretty bold claim from whatever conspiracy theorists are, are stating this. Why would we have any reason to use any sort of, I, I, I use quotation marks, air, air quotes, you know, um, weapon against them? That, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Seeing that, that first sentence, I'm like, what? Why? No, I, okay. Anyway, so continuing along. Looking over some of the things, so they, they note the, the size of the earthquake, when it hit, uh, at the time, the amount of people that are unca- unaccounted for. This was this was early on. This, this article is a few days old now. Um, it goes on to just vaguely talk about HARP, which I will get into. So here's a direct quote from some conspiracy theorist. It doesn't say who or name or anything like that from that posted this on Twitter. It says, quote, the earthquake in Turkey looks like a punitive operation by NATO or the U.S. against Turkey. Again, why? Where, where are you getting this from? I, I don't understand the thought process behind this. Continuing along with the quote, the video shows lightning strikes, which are not normal in earthquakes, but always happen in harp operations. Okay, do you know this for a fact? Are, are you, do you work at harp? Are, are, have you seen harp in operation? Okay, that, all right, whatever. So the article does go on to talk about them, this quote from this person tweeting, talking about lightning strikes and not normally happening during earthquakes. So they're doing, the the person who wrote this article is doing some, you know, trying to, I guess, debunk a little bit. And so as they say in the article, in reality, the phenomenon known as earthquake lights has been well documented. And I looked into a little bit and yeah, it's, it does happen. Uh, they say also it remains unclear whether the flashing in the video is actually from lightning or power grid substations being damaged during the earthquake, which would make perfect sense. You know, you think about if you had a power grid, you know, power station with a lot of big high voltage transformers, you have an earthquake shaking things apart. Yeah, they're going to be at risk of damage too. And guess what happens when transformers are damaged like that? They pop and you see a large arc and, and this bright light as they pop i've seen it occur in extreme lightning storms that we have here in the southwest when you have a uh, transformer up on an overhead power line on a pole when like a tree falls over on the power line or whatever or the power line just falls over because it's so old you know they're made out of wood a lot of them not all of them but a lot of older ones here are made out of wood you know i've seen them get damaged and fall over or have a tree fall on them and then you see that transformer just boom and you see this giant spark of light and I did watch the video of this that they are talking about that was quoted through this from this person on Twitter. And I, I definitely agree with the article where it's like, you can't really tell. It, like, I get what they're saying. It does kind of look like lightning. But it's happening a lot. Like, they're flashing, 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 flashing. But they're all kind of in one area. So I'm like, it does kind of make me believe what they're saying. Like, this is probably a power substation that just was in the right spot. Got taken out during this earthquake. And all the transformers are, are popping and exploding. I agree with that statement. That that's to me kind of what it looks like, but it is hard to tell. It's it's in the dark. The video is not that great. It again, it, it's hard to tell. But anyways, I I could agree with that. Anyways, of course, a lot of finger pointing on social media started coming about because of people tweeting stuff like this, and the finger pointing was at the U.S. and at this HARP program, saying, "Oh, it's their fault. They did it. They're using this to target." us and, and cause these earthquakes um another quote let me see here this is another person on twitter it doesn't give uh who who it is just this daily dot they pull it from twitter quote sad to hear about the earthquake in turkey it's very suspicious excuse me it is very suspicious that there was lightning in the sky before the disaster if you don't know what project harp is then search it up coincidentally when turkey was becoming a thorn in nato's neck regarding russia Anyways, I want to focus on the HARP program. That, that's what 
I want to look into. Um, that was originally what this art, the headline of this article intrigued me about. Um, I'm just looking over the notes here on this article, see if there's anything else I want to touch base on. Okay, well, there's really nothing else in the, the article about this that really is, is very informative. So let's just talk about HARP. What is it exactly? When did it come about? What is it used for? And what sort of conspiracies do be, people believe revolve around it? So HARP is H-A-R-P. It is an acronym for High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program. Now, this is a scientific facility which is used for studying our ionosphere. I'm going to talk about the ionosphere here in a little bit as well, so you have a, a little understanding of that. It is located just north of the town of Gakona, Alaska, which is approximately, I believe, if I have, let me check my notes here, approximately 450 kilometers east of Anchorage, Alaska. It's in a very remote um, wilderness uh, within Alaska. This facility, it uses instruments in what they call its ionospheric research instruments, which is an array of 180 radio antennas that are spread over an area of about 33 acres. So let's give you a little brief note about the ionosphere. I want to talk a little bit more detail about it later, but just a quick note. The ionosphere is the outermost layer of the Earth's atmosphere. It begins at about 50 kilometers or 30 miles above the Earth's surface. And within the ionosphere, it contains atoms and molecules that are ionized, hence the name ionosphere. Basically, what that means being ionized, ionized, excuse me, is that they lose an electron and become positively charged, these atoms and molecules that are within this area, the ionosphere, as they're hit by the sun's ultraviolet light. The ionosphere is, it, it makes sense with the HARP program because it's of particular importance for radio because lower frequency, radio frequencies, it, a bit redundant there, um, lower radio frequencies are reflected off of the ion, ionosphere, which can allow for long distance communications. So you can aim a low frequency, a low, the, a low frequency radio signal up to the ionosphere and it will be reflected in the ionosphere great distances. So you can use it for communications around the globe. At higher frequencies, radio communications with satellites, they actually pass through the ionosphere. They don't reflect off. So it's your lower frequencies that reflect off the ionosphere. Your higher frequencies go right through it and are used for satellite communications. Also, the ionosphere is where you get your auroras, so like your aurora borealis. Those occur when solar winds, excuse me, when solar wind particles collide with the oxygen and nitrogen atoms within the ionosphere. And that's how you get your the, the beautiful aurora borealis. Um, or the, I can't remember the name of the one in the southern hemisphere. Aurora borealis is in the northern hemisphere. Can't recall what it's called in the southern hemisphere. I'll have to look that up. I can't recall what it, I used to know what it was called. But anyways, the auroras, that's how they occur. So this IRI, or the ionospheric research instruments that are used at the HARP, they transmit on a frequency between 2.7 and 10 megahertz. That's very low frequency. Um, with a power of approximately 3.6 megawatts. They transmit these radio waves upwards into the ionosphere Again, like I mentioned before, where they cause the electrons to move in waves. And basically what this is, this is, this next sentence I'm going to read is kind of where some of the conspiracy, conspiracy theories begin with HARP and, and people have pointed towards them to a lot of other things. So the HARP instruments producing these frequencies that are going up the ionosphere is, is, has been known to be an ionospheric heater so-called because the excitation of the electrons increases the temperature within the ionosphere. So this has led a lot of conspiracy theorists to they're able to control weather um, 
or change weather through the HARP program. So also with it increasing the temperatures there, this is also, it is the most powerful ionospheric heater in the world. By altering the density of the electrons in a specific region, scientists using HARP, they can study how the ionosphere reacts to the changing conditions. That's one of the things that they're doing up there. Because the ionosphere's significance for radio communications, like I mentioned, you can reflect radio frequencies, uh, lower frequency uh, radio signals up through there. In the early 1900s, oh my gosh, in the early 1990s, not the early 1900s, it would be the late 1900s, 1990s, the U.S. Air Force and the U.S. Navy, they are the ones who proposed the HARP project. And then later the Air Force actually began the construction of it in 1993. So the site near Gakona, Alaska, was chosen primarily because the area was very flat. The ground was very, very flat in the area. They needed a, a flat area where they could build these antennas at. And it was also very close to the North Pole region where the auroras occur. So they wanted to be able to study them there somewhere near that area. So they found this location there near Gakona, Alaska, nice and flat, suited the terrain. The terrain suited it very well. And it was near the North Pole, near the auroras where they occur. Turned out to be a perfect spot where they could build this project. Uh, the Harp site, it is noted that it is near a major highway. There is a highway. I was actually looking at uh, um, like Google Maps or Bing Maps earlier. Let me let me pull it back up here. I'm gonna... So if you're on Google Maps or, or some sort of or Google Earth or Bing Maps or something like that, you can type in Gakona, Alaska, G-A-K-O-N-A. And like I said, it's going to be quite a ways east of Anchorage, Alaska, a little bit northeast. So if you zoom in, the highway that they're mentioning that I, that I just mentioned is Highway 1, or also called Glen Highway Talk Cutoff. Talk is T-O-K. And if you follow that road out of Gakona, looking at a map, and you go a little bit north, just a little ways, it's not very far. Let me see if I can find it here. I'm actually looking right now as I'm talking. I had it pulled up earlier, but I closed it, so I'm trying to find it again. There we go. There it is. So let me actually put it on here. I'm going to see. So if we do uh, directions from Gakona to there, it's nine miles from the center of Gakona, uh, north on this Highway 1. And you will see that it is just off to the west side of the highway. And you see this, like, little building. I, I say little, pretty large building, um, just off of the highway. And you'll see, and it's off of a dirt road. You'll see this large white kind of L-shaped building. And then you continue down the main road from there just a little ways, and you'll see this big square grid. And you're going to see all these rectangle things. They're like, they're white colored. Those are generators. And then you're going to see these like black spire looking things. Those are the antennas. Obviously it's from a, a, top-down satellite image view it looks kind of odd you just see the square grid with these white rectangles in the middle and you see these black things almost look like shadows of like a tree those are the antennas they're actually quite large um, they're a lot larger than I actually thought originally um, they are let me check my notes here they are about 72 feet tall I believe is the notes I had so, yeah 72 feet tall the antennas they are uh, like I said there's 180 of them and they're set up in grids where each like row has five generators but there's there's if you look at that uh, map view there's one two three four five six seven rows with five generators in each row uh, providing power to the antennas but if you actually look up like uh, pictures of it like you go get on google or bing or whatever and actually look up pictures you can see just the size of these. These generators are massive. They're they're basically like semi-truck trailers that are permanently parked there. And then the antennas just tower over those. Like I said, the antennas are 72 feet tall. So they're, they're quite big. Pretty impressive looking, actually. Also worth note, the responsibility for HARP was actually transferred to the University of Alaska Fairbanks in 2015 from the U.S. military. Now, again, getting into the conspiracy theories, it became very popular especially when the 2010 Haiti earthquake happened. Little side note, when that earthquake happened, it was January of 2010. I was actually on 
the USS Carl Vinson, CVN-70, it's an aircraft carrier. We were leaving Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, the ship had just come out of a major, uh, like, midlife. They call it RCOH. It was an overhaul. They basically gut the ship for a few years and rebuilt it, essentially. We were literally leaving the morning that earthquake happened to go on a small deployment around South America. We actually had a lot of Canadian sailors with us. We were supposed to do some operations with the Canadian Navy. Um, but big Navy, U.S. Navy, said, yeah, no, that's not happening because this giant earthquake hit Haiti and just devastated Haiti, and we were sent down there. Um, we were the first U.S. military on scene. We basically just booked it straight to Haiti as fast as we could. Uh, we picked up a few um, other military personnel off the coast of uh, Florida from, I believe it was from Jacksonville. I know we went back to Jacksonville later to get supplies. I believe they came from there because um, we got a lot of helicopters that, that came on board with us, helicopter squadrons that were basically flying supplies and, and people back and forth. And we were there providing, you know, humanitarian aid. We were food, water, medical supplies, et cetera. We we're just trying to help them. But anyways, that was interesting being a part of that, um, helping those people. But when this earthquake happened in 2010 and, and ravaged Haiti, the Venezuelan president at the time, Hugo Chavez, he actually blamed the HARP program for causing that earthquake. So this is one, kind of one of the big ones that really first came out. He was like, oh, it's their fault. They caused this earthquake. They're over here doing all this stuff with changing weather and all this all this this craziness going on and they caused this earthquake why would we cause an earthquake to attack haiti and kill thousands of that's my question it doesn't make sense to me but anyways most such theories about harp are its concerns of its use for weather modification and also for mind control yeah um in response to a lot of these these Theories, HARP scientists have noted that the ionosphere is far above the troposphere and the stratosphere, which is where Earth's weather actually occurs. So this is far up above where the weather actually happens. If you look at the physical science of Earth and how it works, how our weather works, how our weather systems work, like I said, they happen within the troposphere and the stratosphere. The ionosphere is far above that. So scientists are like, yeah, we're not, we're not messing with the weather. We're, we're doing these radio frequency testing up in the ionosphere. We're, we're not messing with, with the troposphere or the stratosphere, which is where weather occurs. So anyways, um, and the HARP scientists have also stated that the amount of energy that the IRI deposits into the ionosphere during these tests is far below that which is supplied naturally by the sun and the effects of solar radiation, far lower than that. So the effects you're getting from the sun and solar radiation naturally is far worse than what they're doing. It's a much lower frequency than what is being naturally blasted all the time from the sun. So with that being said, people still blame HARP constantly for weaponizing the weather, if you will, and stating that the organization deliberately creates destructive, excuse me, destruction on a global scale, causing earthquakes, cyclones, flooding, snowstorms, and other natural disasters around the world. A lot of critics of HARP assert that it has the capacity, capacity uh, for sending microwave radiation beneath the ground, strategically pinpointing fault lines, and that the size of HARP's field of antennas have the potential for tremendous damage to the environment as unlike other ionosphere research centers across the world only harp has the ability to focus the energy from the field onto a specific spot in the atmosphere this is a quote coming from other conspiracy theorists that i've seen uh, another quote of one of countless earthquakes claimed to have been linked to harp was an iran iraq earthquake that killed around 500 people in november of 2017 despite tensions between those two nations and the united states obviously it's we've had obviously ongoing tensions with Iran, there's the wars that have occurred over 20 years now with Iraq, you know, so of course conspiracy theorists are going to hear that, and so a lot of people have said, oh yeah, they, they caused this earthquake there between Iran and Iraq that killed 500 people, 
I, I don't believe this. I don't believe that this is true. I'll talk about it a little bit later as far as my personal opinions um, with my experience. But anyways, so despite tensions between those two nations, Iran and Iraq, and the U.S., the Ira Iran's Deputy Interior Minister for Security and Law Enforcement, that's a mouthful, Mohammed Hazain Zalfakari, sorry if I mispronounced that, he actually dismissed th these theories and the malintent towards this, denying such rumors had, quote, any scientific basis. So he, you have Iran's Deputy of Interior Minister for Security and Law Enforcement, he's dismissing this and saying, no, there's no scientific basis for this. It was a natural disaster. You have this guy actually there saying this. So I, I say good for him. I, I'm, I'm on that level on that belief too. No, they're, I don't believe they're doing this. So, natural disasters, earthquakes, they happen. It, it's unfortunate when they do. It's extremely devastating. But fault lines on the Earth's crust, they exist. And they move. That's how we got our continents. I, I'm a believer in science. I like science. I, I enjoy science. I enjoy learning things. I, I enjoy questioning things, certainly. And that's, that's why science exists, is to question the world around you and things around you. Yes, there are a lot of things that are scientific laws, but there's also a lot that are, are theories that, and that, you know, can be changed, maybe need to be changed. But that, that's the beauty of science. It's questioning things around you, the world around you. But when you start getting into stuff like this, conspiracy theories such as this, eh, um, I'm going to look towards the science first and debunk any of these theories that people might come up with. Before I just say, oh yeah, oh that this is this is this government or that government doing this and and controlling the weather and controlling this and doing that. I just want to put it out there, talk about it, let you think about it. You tell me your thoughts, your ideas on it, whether you believe it is this or that. I'm okay with if you if you believe in these conspiracy theorists. That's fine. I've known a lot of people that are conspiracy theorists. If I I, I use the scary quotes in the air. Um, that believe these sort of theories and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that if that's something you want to believe in great let's have a constructive conversation about it i i would enjoy that i've done it before with other people i know and it's like you know let's just talk about it Let, what are your thoughts and ideas what are my thoughts and ideas let's get together and talk about it anyways my that's my little rant <laughs> so again this iran deputy he dismissed it saying rumors had no scientific basis given the fact that uh branches of the u.s government have openly discussed technologies which would be used to interfere with weather and cause earth changes it is difficult to dis dismiss these critics so quickly right and okay that's kind of what I, the point i was getting to with having a constructive conversation but I, again i'm still a, a believer in science moving along in 2005 the air force actually stated quote Weather modification will become a part of domestic and international security and could be done unilaterally. It could have offensive and defensive applications and even be used for deterrence purposes. So that makes me believe that there are things out there that maybe they are doing for certain weather control. But I think this one in particular, with just focusing specifically on the HARP program, I think is a little far-fetched. Uh, the quote continues. The ability to generate precipitation, fog, and storms on Earth or to modify space weather and the production of artificial weather all are a part of an integrated set of technologies which can provide substantial increase in U.S. or degraded capability in an adversary to achieve global awareness, reach, and power. This was a quote in 2005 from the U.S. Air Force. I couldn't find exactly who said this. Who it was? Was it, was it the Secretary of the Air Force? I, I don't know. Someone put this out there saying this. So it makes you think that they must have something out there, like I said, that could potentially alter weather. Can they control it to a pinpointed degree where they can? we can create a tornado to go here or an earthquake to go here or a tsunami to do this or do that? You know, I don't, I, I highly doubt it's that extremely ac accurate, like I said, that pinpointed. But can they do things to potentially manipulate weather that's already out there, that's already, you know, you have a thunderstorm that's being produced naturally. Could they use something to potentially alter it? Uh, 
make it more severe? Uh, okay, I guess maybe, but still, I'm I'm pretty reluctant to say that's the case. Now, one of the other big conspiracies that has been spoken about before that I've heard a lot about um, is mind control. A lot of people believe that they're using HARP for mind control. Now, the idea of mind control has been around pretty much as long as we humans have been around, really, um, and kind of have had a knowledge of our own existence. Um, there's a lot of stuff looking back in history for it um, through you know, supernatural, um, mind-altering, I, I don't want to say drugs, but uh, food? I don't know if that's really necessarily the best word either. Uh, substances? A substance, yeah, that'd be a good word, yeah. But anyways, manipulation of people's moods, emotions, decisions has long been a way to control the masses, right? I mean, that you can do. You can upset somebody's mood, and that's you're effectively controlling their mind, right? It, it falls under that mind control. Somebody's emotions, you know, it, all sorts of manners through media, whatever. It is only recently that technology has been employed to do this job efficiently. What was once considered science fiction is what they say now fact. Again, this is coming from conspiracy theorists. Um, so harp critics claim that the facility is attacking citizens of the world telepathically, influencing their thoughts with low-frequency frequency vibrations. In 2013, a former Central Intelligence Agency employee, you guys might have know, heard about this guy, Edward Snowden, leaked classified government files. This was, this was big news. I mean, this was global. Everybody knew about this guy. Everybody's heard about him. They're, they did. They made a movie about him. I've not seen the movie. I actually would like to watch it. Um, some of these government files, according to the, what he leaked, revealed that Harp's numerous global surveillance systems. Excuse me. I misread that. Sorry, I'm misreading my own notes here. CIA former CIA employee Edward Snowden leaked classified government files, some revealing Harp's numerous global surveillance systems. So basically, saying that they have like a global system linked with. The, the harp system there in Alaska. Uh, allegations are that natural geomagnetic waves are being replaced with artificial VLF, which is very low frequency, ground waves matching the frequency of human brain waves. Now, I, I've I've never like looked at this super deep, but everything has a wave. There there is literally like a wave for every, everything can be measured in some sort of vibration or wave. And that I can kind of see that kind of makes that definitely makes sense. Your human brain waves, you can measure those. You, you people do it all the time. You know, they you can have your brain waves measured. Um, I is that uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I was gonna say, is that EKG? There's what EKG, ECG, these different. I don't, I don't know exactly which one it is. I don't want to say, anyways, I'm, I'm not sure. Your brain waves can be measured, so I can kind of see that where they're saying. VLF, very low frequency ground waves to match human brain waves. Thus, this is the quote again, quote, thus influencing human behavior. It's said that HARP also uses cell phone towers as electrical stimulation conductors able to reach and affect entire regions. I can get where the conspiracy theorists are claiming this. And, and again, these files that were leaked from the former CIA agent uh, Snowden. Uh, okay, I yeah, I don't know. So moving on, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a lot of thoughts are coming to my mind. I just I don't want to go down one rabbit hole to another and and start a whole. Anyways, I'm I'm just trying to put this information out there that I have. Another person, Bob McCoy, uh, director of the Geophysical Institution at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. He has made an attempt to refute claims, saying, quote, this is from Bob McCoy, quote, electrical signals in the mind are low frequency. Harp is very large frequency. The waves are meters long. He's talking about the, the waves coming from Harp are meters long. Continuous quote, so there's no way they could control minds. 
but this statement doesn't hold water with concerned citizens who have cited that uh, the observations of Yale University's professor of physiology, Jose Delgado, he's uh, considered a pioneer of electromagnetic mind control, um, in a peer-reviewed report from Delgado uh, called Physical Control of the Mind Toward a Psycho-Civilized Society. Uh, Delgado states in this that, quote, it is possible to control human movements, glandular functions, and specific mental manifestations using electromagnetic stimulation. Now, this is a pretty interesting uh, paper if you want to read into it a little bit more, get into a lot, a lot deeper. Um, it, it's fairly long. Um, I looked into it a little bit. Uh, it was published in 1969. So this was long before the HARP program came about. But yeah, it, it goes into talking about just like that using, like I said, electromagnetic signals to basically cause mind control and, and, and manipulate people through it. Um, if you want to check it out, I'll, I'll try to add a link for it. Um, it is pretty It is a pretty neat paper. Um, like I said, I did skim through it. Um, let me see. I'm actually looking at it now. Again, just kind of refreshing myself. Uh, part three, experimental control of brain functions in behaving subjects. There's a section here. It says in it, this is a quote directly from his paper. These accomplishments should familiarize us with the idea that we may also control the biological functions of li living organisms from a distance. Cats, monkeys, or human beings can be influenced to flex a limb, to reject food, or to feel emotional excitement under the influence of electrical impulses reaching the depths of their brains through radio waves purposefully sent by an investigator. And it goes on to talk a lot about stuff like this and, and his findings and, and his ideas behind this. Let me see. Here's one, another directly from his paper. Quote, the contraction of frog's legs is similar regardless of whether the muscle is stimulated directly through its motor nerve or through the brain. And this muscle action is also comparable to its activation during voluntary movement of the in, excuse me, of the intact frog. The applied electricity does not create the limb movement, but acts only as a depolarizing agent, starting a chain of events which depends on the properties of the stimulated organ. Uh, continues along, the mechanisms for contraction and relaxation of the muscle fiber are pre-established in the biological structure of the cells. Electricity, like the nervous system itself, acts as a trigger for these purposes. And it goes on a, a very similar about things like this, of how the electrical system within a, uh, a body controls your muscles and everything and, and to move and how using radio frequencies you can tweak this essentially and control it and literally physically control someone. So it's an interesting read if you want to really dive into it. But getting back to where we were, Talking about some of the conspiracy theories. Okay, here's another good one. So, communications and the Columbia shuttle. Because of HARP's futuristic seeming research and the organization's official stance that it is developing future tech tools, including the aforementioned radio frequency transmitters, skeptics assert it has the fortitude to disrupt communications networks. They claim HARP has the capacity to dismantle entire electronics communications systems with its far reaching technologies. Um, again, based on what it, where it's shooting these radio frequencies to, eh, I don't know. Um, again, I want to talk about a little bit here in, in, in a moment about the ionosphere and it's, and how, it, and radio frequencies up there. But anyways, related to this capability, there's accusations that HARP was behind the malfunction of the Columbia space shuttle crash in 2003. Again, that's one that I'm, I think the conspiracy theorists are, are, are reaching a bit with that one. Um, that that's that's a bit of a stretch for me they're basically claiming that it was responsible for destroying the craft's electronic devices yeah i okay um there's a radio engineer named marshall smith who was monitoring harp on the fateful day of this event who backs up the claims contending that harp was quote operating in missile defense mode starting about 90 minutes before columbia's re-entry and then for about 90 minutes afterwards okay, great, they're out there doing their research, their studies. That means they're responsible for bringing down Columbia? Uh, okay. Again, it seems a little far-reaching. Far An official investigation, however, 
did report that a damaged wing was actually responsible for the malfunction and caused the tragic loss of the Columbia Space Shuttle. So again, it, it seems like they're they're reaching a bit uh, again, trying to point finger at Harp and and blame them for these things that happened when in all reality it was a damaged wing on the Columbia Space Shuttle. There's actually a really good documentary that I watched about this uh, about Columbia um, a while back. I watched it maybe maybe a year year and a half ago. I want to say was it on Netflix or Hulu? One of the streaming flat- platforms. One of those two. I, I want to say Netflix. I don't. I'm not quite sure i can't remember exactly um but it was like a three or four part documentary about it it was really interesting actually really you know of course it's very devastating what happened but the documentary about it just it was really neat um if you can find it check it out it was actually really cool really i don't think cool is the ne- the best word very interesting very informative that's a good very informative if you want to learn more about the columbia disaster more theories regarding harps agenda and activities are they're still they're lacking in scientific evidence that's the thing a lot of these theories are are these people coming out and 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 grasping at straws oh they they did this again this radio engineer oh they were operating 90 minutes before and after the columbia's disaster in what he calls in a missile defense mode they're the ones that did it uh okay where where's your proof what i couldn't find anything else to back up his statement there are of course outspoken irate critics that you know, just flood social media and the internet and try to drown out, you know, all the scientists and scientific attempts to explain, you know, all these accusations. Um, now, HARP has even attempted to open its doors to the public. Uh, they offer guided tours to clear the mystery of skepticism. Eh, of course, you're going to get conspiracy theorists that think, oh, yeah, they're going to let me come in on a tour, but they're not, they're not going to be operating in, in, in the, these, um, missile defense mode or, or anything like this at the time They're, yeah come on and check it out we're you know you're gonna get all sorts sorts of claims but anyways they they allow they open up tours etc cetera, etc cetera. and you're still gonna get conspiracy theorists that are gonna make claims anyways there's another one that comes to mind they're another detractor i'm gonna leave the person's name out of this but this is a person that visited the facility during an open house in 2016 this person maintained Quote, even though it's open to the public, there's a lot of things they don't tell you about it. Or what they do, we're not gonna we're not getting the whole truth. And there's still classified information about that facility. Well, sure, I mean any sort of place like that, there's gonna be a lot there's gonna be things that they're gonna hold close to the chest. They're not just gonna let you in there and see everything and, and have at it. Um you know, similar Going along with this sort of radio frequency and radio communications testing and scientific testing, uh, my dad used to work at a place called the VLA, Very Large Array, which is in uh, southwest New Mexico, uh, near Socorro. If you're familiar with Socorro is in New Mexico, it's basically straight west out of there. There's a town, you go west from Socorro to Magdalena, you continue a little bit further west from there. There's a town called Daddle. The VLA is basically smack right in the middle between Magdalena and Daddle. It's these three arms that are, if I remember correctly, 13 miles long each from the center. So massive. It's in this area called the the uh, San Agustin Plains. It's this big, huge, open plain that's that's surrounded by mountains. And effectively, they're, effectively, they're using the natural environment as like a giant satellite dish. Now they have all these railroad tracks on these arms that they can move, and uh, different antennas, uh, satellite antennas along. They have. Uh, Gosh, it's been a while. I believe they is it twenty one or twenty seven antennas that they operate. Then they have a few like in rotation for maintenance things like that. Anyways, my dad worked there as a maintenance technician. He worked on the antennas, but they they use it for radio astronomy. Is what they do. They shoot radio frequencies into space to create images of the stars of the galaxies, etc. They can move the antennas along these tracks further out or closer in depending on what they're trying to do whether they're trying to pinpoint a small area in space or they're trying to see a large vast area um i've been there before myself i've gone on tours of it with my dad he's shown me a little bit more than probably most can if you just go there as a public citizen or private citizen excuse me whatever if you go there as a citizen and you go on their public tour you're not going to be able to see as much as as I was allotted to see, thanks to my dad. But even then, it, it's 
they're not going to show you every little thing, every minute aspect of what they do and the things that they're doing. Yes, they are running when you can go there. You can see, you know, see them running and, and what they're doing. It's it's really neat. It's really interesting. But even a place like that, they're they're not going to, you're not going to see everything that they're doing. I just wanted to put that out there, you know, something like that. Um, you know, and, and me personally having experience worked, worked in the U.S. military, in the U.S. Navy. Again, yeah, there's things that you're not going to know about. I had a security clearance when I was in. Um, it wasn't top secret. I had a secret clearance. So I had some access to some things, but not that I ever used it because of a particular job I had. But they're not just going to, oh, yeah, willy-nilly. Hey, yeah, come on in. Come check out this classified space, whatever, what we're doing. Yeah, no big deal. No, it's not going to happen. We offered uh, tours on our ship. At when we were in our home port in San Diego, people could come on board and check it. It wasn't like anybody could just go. I'm, I'm saying there was the ability for you to come and do a tour of the ship if you had like a family member on board, things like that. I believe they did public tours where they would have people escort them. I don't remember exactly. I, I think they did. But they're again, they're not going to just... People weren't allowed in the in the top secret spaces, the classified areas. You know, you're not just going to be able to go in there. Anyways, that that's, that's just... My point is they're not going to show you everything of course there's certain things that they're going to hold close to the chest and they don't want everybody to know about certainly any sort of facility such as this especially the time being that before 2015 it was being operated by between the air force and the navy now obviously this was from 2016 when this guy went there so this was after the um uh university of what was it fairbanks oh my gosh this it, it was after the university had taken over but still i'm sure there's stuff that if they're still doing the same operation, they're not just going to want to let anybody and everybody have access to it. Makes sense. But so it's unclear whether the global increase in, you know, geological disturbances, earthquakes, weather phenomena such as that is coincidental to HARP's activities. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards that, that statement that, yeah, it's, it's, just coincidental you know and they haven't been operating for a very long time they've been operating since the mid 90s so yeah i i would be a believer in that that it's it's purely coincidental you know with with everything going on in the world on earth with us being here it, it's there's so many different things you can start pointing your fingers at and different conspiracies and this and that and environmental changes etc cetera, etc cetera. um now is the organization withholding information from the public yeah, I'm sure some of it. Yeah, is it? Does it have to do with weaponizing their their radio system? Eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, we'll see. But like I said before, I wanted to talk a bit more about the ionosphere and these radio frequencies and how it works. So, like I said at the beginning and earlier in this, they're shooting these radio frequencies up into the ionosphere, right? They're, they're, that's where it's aimed at. Now, let me go to, I want to talk about radio frequencies, actually, radio spectrum. So, yeah, like I said, the HARP, High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program. you got high frequency, the auroras. It's a research program. It literally says it in the name. Um, <laughs> again, like I said early, at the beginning, they're transmitting frequencies between 2.7 and 10 megahertz up into the ionosphere. So, if we look at... Uh, radio frequency spectrum chart it give you kind of an idea of the sort of frequencies that exist around us all the time on a daily basis. So like I said, HARP is operating at about 2.7, that's what I said, let me make sure you get made for it, 2.7 to 10 megahertz. Give you an idea of that in radio frequencies. If you want to look up uh, radio spectrum uh, you can you can get online and search radio frequency spectrum. Um, you can go to FCC, check out their website. They have information on this stuff. But just a really vague, quick overview, looking at a, a spectrum chart. Your uh, so so VHF and UHF are typically what you hear of when you start talking about like radio and television. You know, if you have an antenna, you're receiving your TV signal. I'm not talking about satellite TV or, or cable. I'm talking about good old classic like bunny ears or an antenna up on your roof pointing towards wherever your, your TV transmission is coming from. Those operate in the VHF and UHF 
bands within the radio spectrum. VHF is very high frequency. UHF is ultra high frequency. Now VHF typically starts around 30 megahertz. So this is more than triple the frequency of what harp is operating at. And it goes up from there, up into UHF. And UHF continues along up, up into close to 1,000 megahertz. So I just want to talk about some little um, what we, slices within there. So your television, typically you're going to start around 54, 55 megahertz. In your VHF, moving up, moving up, moving up, you're going to go up in as you get towards your 90 megahertz. This might sound very familiar. You ever get on your your radio, listen to radio, driving your car, you're on FM, you're scanning through channels. Where do they typically start? Right around 88, right? You have like 88.3, 88.4, 88.5, 89 89.8, 89.9. That's megahertz. That's an FM radio frequency. And they go up from there to about 108 megahertz. Pretty common, right? You're scanning through your radio channels on your FM radio. You get up to 107.6, 107.7, 0.8, 0.9, and it, it loops back around. That's your FM broadcast uh, radio frequencies are typically between about 88 and 108 megahertz. That's within the VHF or very high frequency band as well. Then you move up from there, you start getting into uh, aircraft frequencies that are used for airplanes. You start getting into military frequencies that the military uses. You're still in the VHF band there, but you're in the high band. So you have VHF low band, which starts around 30 megahertz, moving up into your FM radio. Then you get into your VHF high band, which is around 150, 160, 170 megahertz. And then you start coming in. You're still in, you're still in television here as well. Um, so your television typically starts, like I said, around 54, 55 megahertz. You're up in the higher band now. We're at about 174, 175 megahertz. You're still in your television. You're still getting television channels within this frequency. Keep going up even higher, about 225 megahertz. You're into more military frequencies that they're using up to about 400 megahertz. Federal government has a, an allotted space between about 406, about 420. That's just for them. You get into more amateur bands between about 420 and 450. Now you're getting into your UHF, ultra high frequency. And this, again, you still have television frequencies within this band as well. Continue along from there, about 450 megahertz up to about 746 megahertz. You're still in television there. You're also in, there's a little window at about 600 to, 608 to about 614 is your radio astronomy. That's kind of what I mentioned before with the VLA down here in southern New Mexico. They use radio astronomy. Uh, they're operated under the NRAO, National Radio Astronomy Observatory. They're using radio astronomy, those kind of frequencies in that little sliver there. Now moving up to that 746 megahertz that I mentioned, you're still in television channels there. Now you're getting out of television channels from that. So television operates in a huge range from as low as about 54 megahertz up to this 746 megahertz. And this is all your television channels from channel two up to channel 60, but however many you can get over the air channels nowadays with the, with the, the, since they got changed years ago and they went to that, all that digital stuff above the four, excuse me, above the 746 megahertz is when you start getting into your cellular carrier frequencies up into your 800 megahertz moving towards the 900 megahertz. That's where you're getting into your cellular carriers. So that's just a brief overview of your radio spectrum just to give you an idea so again like i said harp is operating 2.7 to 10 megahertz really low well below even all of this these frequencies that are being used for radio and television all this and other aircraft frequencies and military all this your amateur radios etc things like that but again the ionosphere is where they're shooting these frequencies which is way above where the weather happens like i said before your troposphere and your stratosphere is where Earth's weather occurs. Above that, directly above the, so you have the troposphere, the stratosphere, directly above that is the mesosphere, and then above that you have the ionosphere, and then the thermosphere and the exosphere. So they have these radio frequencies that are going up through the ionosphere. They're, they're shooting them around there, which can be extremely good for long-distance communications because the, the radio frequencies that they're operating at aren't high frequency enough to get out 
of the ionosphere and up into space. Like I said, the higher frequency, much higher frequency, are used for satellite communications. So the ionosphere is really good to reflect these radio frequencies back and forth between Earth. But the problem is that they're not the most accurate. Yeah, you can have repeaters around the world. You know, they use it for cell phones. They use it for for television, for radio, whatever. You can have repeaters all over the place that can help with your city. Even locally in a facility, um, when I was on the the ship that I was on in the Navy, I was part of our our ship security. We had handheld walkie-talkie radios that we keep in, in touch with each other. You're on a giant steel tub, essentially. Radio frequencies aren't going to do very well inside there when you're when you're inside of it. So they had repeaters all over the place inside there for our radios, so we could get clear transmission throughout wherever you're at. I'm just I'm focusing on one little tiny relative to the Earth, one little area. But I'm just saying you you see them all over the place, antennas all around, whether it's you know cellular radio, television, whatever. There's repeaters all over the place to get those signals out further and more precise because as you start to go further away from your source your signal is going to get really weak and it's not going to be as precise that's kind of what you're getting with the ionosphere when you shoot a one of these this radio frequency up there is yeah you can send it long distance and bounce it back and forth but as it goes further and further and further away your accuracy diminishes big time so you need these repeaters etc things like that to help it now maybe this is what was mentioned in like i talked about with the edward snowden uh the 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 leaks that he had where in some of the papers talked about the their other substations around the globe perhaps what they are that's what they are um, you know perhaps they're, they're these sort of if you will repeaters to keep their and i could see that that would make sense that they would have repeaters around the globe to keep their signal more precise and stronger and help it move along um, because, like I said, it does bounce back and forth from the Earth to the ionosphere at these, these frequencies. But, again, are they using it in a weaponized fashion or for mind control or for controlling weather? Me, personally, I don't think so. I think that's a bit far-fetched. I think it's really neat facility. I think that they're probably doing a lot of good research there. I mean, whatever. You know... If you don't if believe that, if you if you think there's some sort of grand conspiracy behind it all, that's fine. L- let me hear it. I, I'd love to hear it. Again, I'd rather have a constructive conversation with somebody about it than people just one side versus another saying, oh, I'm right, you're wrong. No, I'm right, you're wrong. This is how it is. No, that's how it is. Look at the different sides and and see, well, what makes sense, what, what doesn't on either. Um, I, I, I think there it's... A good place for doing research but is all of their research necessarily good uh you know i don't know maybe not is it is it bad or evil or are they using it to create earthquakes and kill people i i don't believe that i definitely don't believe that's the case i don't believe that's true i don't think they caused the earthquake that devastated turkey and syria again as as bad and unfortunate as devastating as that is i don't think that harp is out there doing that and creating these waves that are causing these earthquakes. It's a natural disaster. It's extremely unfortunate, but they happen. Yeah, that's where I'm at with it. I just thought this was interesting. I wanted to look into a little bit more, get a little bit more understanding of what HARP is and what they do. Because like I said at the beginning, I had a really vague understanding of it. I'd heard about it in passing through a lot of different, different places, news, people I know that I would, I guess I would consider conspiracy theorists that have talked about it, but I wanted to know a little bit more for myself. There's definitely a lot more out there, a lot more information to it. I just, this was just a little slice of what I wanted to get into and talk about it and put it out there for you guys. And and maybe you could learn something from it. Um, So yeah, I I hope you enjoyed that. There's one thing I wanted to mention that I actually forgot. I was going to mention in the middle of it earlier and I totally, I totally just right over, glossed right over and totally forgot. Um, So I'll just talk about it now. Um, I'm a fan of the band Muse. They've been around since the 90s. I've been listening to them. I know their first album came out in 1999. I've been listening to them since probably 2000 or 2001. Um, yeah, 2001, I think when their second album came out was about when I when I first got into them. But anyways, I'm a big fan of Muse. I enjoy their music. I've always liked their music. Matthew Bellamy, the, the lead singer, frontman, guitarist of the band. I guess you 
maybe I, I don't want to call him a conspiracy theorist. I don't think it's fair of me saying that he is. But if you look at their music historically, a, a lot of things that he sings about in his writing and his lyrics definitely are sort of conspiracy based, if you will, I guess. I, I think he leans on it as a way of creating lyrics and, and, and questioning the world around him. Which again is great. I think that's I think that's fantastic. Question things around you. It, it's it's like I said. I love science, and that's even the nature of science is question the things around you, question the world, question things that exist and and why they are the way they are. Is there an, is there an alternate version or or can this be changed? Whatever. But but my my point is that his music. You listen to Muse. His lyrics. A lot of it is very much surrounded with. I think he takes these ideas of like conspiracy theories. And, and really uses that to create really interesting and unique lyrics and songs. And you listen to all their songs over the years. They have a lot of songs that are very much, um, you can tell they're influenced by that, different um, conspiracies out there in the world. And he's using his music and his lyrics to question things, and not just conspiracies, but global events and things happening and leaders of the world, things like that. He, you know, he's using his platform as a mus- musical star to kind of question that sort of sort of thing, and use, using his mu- putting it within his music. Um, there's a lot of good songs that are very much along these sort of conspiracy theories. One comes to mind is they had an album that came out in 2006 called Black Holes and Revelations. Really good album, really good songs on it, um, and this one definitely kind of revolved around a lot of sort of that idea of like like conspiracy theories and questioning kind of the world around you and, and things happening came out in 2006 they did a big tour in 2007 was it 2007 yes 2007 um and they used harp h-a-r-p as sort of a uh the influence and basis and idea of their world tour and it was literally called the harp I don't know if it was actually Harp Tour, but they had a live album that came out. It was a CD, DVD combo you could get that came out in 2007. Uh, excuse me, it was recorded in 2007. It was released in 2008 from this. It was supporting this album that came out in 2006. But anyways, it was called the Harp Album. And their live set kind of spun off the idea of this, this Harp facility and their radio frequencies that they're producing and, and their mind control and and controlling the weather and they kind of took this whole idea and used it as their their stage set and their stage performance um it is actually a really good live video if if you haven't seen it you know get online check it out you can see plenty of uh clips from it um if you have the dvd or even blu-ray now if they have it in blu-ray um it's it's a cool it's a cool live live set but yeah the set itself was like it was like had this look to it of like these antennas everywhere and like again this whole idea of like questioning what they're doing and it's really neat so i wanted to mention that the album is literally titled harp and it's spelled the same as this harp facility h-a-a-r-p from muse so it's really good live set really good live performance i wanted to mention it put it out there because of the nature of muse and and the music that they they put out there and, and the sort of things that they that like I said, front and Matthew, he, he likes to question these sort of things and, and go after these ideas and use it as inspiration for his music. And I think that's great. I, I like it. I, I like his music. I like their music, I should say, as a band. So I think it's awesome that he's doing that, that he's questioning the world around him and using it as inspiration for his music. So anyways, I digress. If you like their music, go enjoy it. Music's awesome. <laughs> if you enjoy this episode, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. If you have thoughts on this, on, on Harp, your ideas on it, let me know. If you know more about it, better details or specifics about it than I do, yeah, let me know too. I'd love to hear that. Um, I think that'd be fantastic to to have a, have a response from you all out there, what, what maybe you know. If you learned something from listening to this podcast that you didn't know about this or if you didn't know about it at all, great. I, I hope I helped you. I hope I helped spark some sort of inspiration or idea maybe you'll go out there and and research it more yourself or you know question other things around you whatever and anyways again i do it i do this for you 
I hope you enjoyed it. So I certainly enjoyed looking a little bit more into it. Let me know. Find me on Facebook, Our Weird World. I'll have the link in the show notes. Send me an email, ourweirdworldpodcast at gmail.com. Those two are going to be the best places to get in touch with me if you want to. I would appreciate it. If you have questions, comments, concerns, whatever, send me them there. I'd love to hear it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I sure did. Hope you're doing well. Again, that earthquake that hit Turkey and Syria, extremely devastating. They're still finding bodies, unfortunately. It's devastating. If you can help in any way, please do so. It's unfortunate what happened. Anyways, take care of yourselves. Be safe. Be nice to each other. Social media is crazy out there. I think I'm going to get rid of my personal Facebook. I'm only going to keep the one for this for my podcast, but it's just... Be nice to each other. Take care. We'll catch you next time.